Welcome to Episode 8 of Books in the Wild, the podcast about exploring books. I'm Carrie Schroeder. I've had a few questions over the past seven episodes or so regarding what exactly is book art. So today I'm going to reel it in and start from the beginning. Like, what is book art exactly? What is an artist book? Are all art books book art? What do you mean by codex? Or leave to artiste? Are you making these words up? I'm glad you asked, dear listeners, and I hope that we can reach some of these answers together and have some fun doing it. Today's episode is all about the book art basics. I've invited a couple of book workers to play book art trivia today, and I got a new kazoo, so you know we're all in for a big treat. And the best thing about book art trivia is that win or lose, we're all equal in the world of esoteric nerdery. We will go over a little bit of history, and I've also compiled some frequently asked questions from our listeners. I have a few announcements about some upcoming events, but I'll save those until the end of the episode. I also recently discovered that Books in the Wild has reviews on iTunes. I had no idea because apparently iTunes doesn't notify you about those sort of things. So I wanted to thank Simon, Jim, and Lizzie Lou for their thoughtful and kind reviews. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside to know that people are actually listening to the podcast. So thank y'all so much. You too can leave a review on iTunes or wherever, and I'll probably find it eventually. Hello and welcome to Book Art Trivia. I am your host, Carrie Schroeder. Book Art Trivia consists of three rounds covering various topics such as book art terminology, book history, bookbinding structures, typography, and printing. For those playing along at home, I would love to hear your answers too, so feel free to comment on the episode post at booksinthewild.com or send me a message. Today's book art contestants are Ariel Hansen-Strong and Faith Hale. Welcome and thanks for playing. And now on to book art trivia, round one. These questions will cover general book terminology. Each contestant will have the opportunity to answer, and I may or may not make some comments in between. We'll see how it goes. Question one. Book art is the general term that refers to the creative and craft disciplines of bookmaking. Therefore, book art includes which of the following subsets? A. Fine press books, traditional bookbinding, and designer bookbinding. B. Altered books, artist books, sculptural books, and zines. C. Printing and typography. D. Installation and performance art dealing with the concept of books. Or E. All of the above. Yes, Ariel? Definitely E. All of the above. And more, probably. Great job, Ariel. And Faith, what about your answer? E. All of the above. I think book art is anything that is even remotely booky. Excellent job! Book art is an umbrella term that houses all things bookish, and by bookish I mean pertaining to the book as a book itself, as an object. Things like bookbinding and printing and papermaking can all be included under book art. Then, within those subsets are even more subsets, and within those subsets are even more subsets, with experts questioning the definition of these subsets. So for example, bookbinding is a part of book art for sure. But then within bookbinding, you have fine binders and commercial binders and library binders, just to name a few. Then within those subsets of even fine binders, you have those that might specialize in things like gold tooling or leatherwork or historical bindings. And then maybe even within that subset of historical binding specialists, you'll have ones that work exclusively on one particular structure. There is a lot of overlap between these disciplines. There are a lot of book workers who are well-rounded in multiple disciplines and techniques, but there's also a lot of divide sometimes. All right, on to question two. This deals with book history. 
In the 15th century, this man introduced movable type to be used with the printing press. Who was he, and why was this a big deal? Ariel. Gutenberg. He was a German printer and publisher who created movable type out of melted metal, um, which was a big deal because before movable type, books were either hand-scribed or printed with wooden blocks. And uh, unlike wooden blocks, metal type can be, you know, remelted and reformed. And type allowed for a speedy printing process, and the invention gave way to the printing revolution. Great job, Ariel. And Faith, what about your answer? Gutenberg. Everybody knows this. He was a printer, and he was a big deal because he introduced movable type to be used with the printing press. Um, Before him, you had to be super fancy to own a book, and after him, you had to be a little bit less fancy to own a book. He really democratized uh, ownership of printed stuff, and he made it a lot more accessible for for the non-super wealthy people. Absolutely. Fantastic answers. Johannes Gutenberg was a German blacksmith, printer, and publisher who was instrumental in the development of the printing revolution in Europe. There's a popular misconception that Gutenberg invented the printing press. He did not. But what he did develop was a more efficient way of casting metal movable type. As Ariel mentioned, prior to this development, there were still books being made, but they were either written by hand or they were carved from wooden blocks. By having movable type, this allowed for text to be composed letter by letter and then printed. Then this type could be moved around into a different composition and printed again. You no longer needed to carve a whole new block of wood for each page, or spend hours or days writing a page by hand. And, as Faith mentioned, this revolutionized printing, making books slightly more affordable and available not just to aristocrats and the super elite. These books were still expensive, just not as expensive as the previous books. In 1455, Gutenberg printed around 200 copies of the 42-line Bible, also aptly known as the Gutenberg Bible. Each copy cost about 30 florins, which was approximately three years' salary for the average clerk at the time. However, this was still far less expensive than a handwritten manuscript Bible in which one copy could take upwards of a year to make. The Gutenberg Bible was a massive undertaking. Each Bible consisted of two volumes totaling 1,286 pages, measuring 11 by 16 inches. They are set in two columns of large black letter type of 42 lines per page. This format of having the Bible pages divided into two columns was extremely influential on the style of Bibles even today. Out of the 200 copies, approximately 180 were printed on rag paper and then about 20 were printed on vellum, which is a tanned and stretched calfskin. Each vellum copy required the skins of about 160 animals. Today, Gutenberg Bibles are wildly rare and expensive. Only 48 known copies survive, 36 on paper and 12 on vellum. In 1978, the going price for Gutenberg Bible on vellum was $2.2 million. A single leaf could easily fetch more than $60,000. And in 1994, Bill Gates purchased a complete set, meaning two volumes of the Bible, for a rumored $31 million. Now we're going to jump ahead a few centuries. Question number three. American pop artist Ed Ruscha is often credited with creating the first modern artist book in 1963. Ruscha's innovative book consisted of 26 photographs with short captions. What were the 26 photographs of, and why was this significant? 
Yes, Faith. Gas stations. 26 gas stations. Ed Ruscha took pictures of 26 gasoline stations. And this was significant because it was, um, once again, like not fancy. I feel like all of the exciting book arts advancements was when we went from super inaccessible and difficult to get your hands on to um, really easily accessible. Not only did he take pictures of something that any motorist could see, but he made it available in a form that was really um, like a, a simply printed book that wasn't um, it wasn't on fancy paper. It hadn't been done with special materials. It was just like a mass market press book, even though at the time it was super cheap. And now they're very expensive to get a hold of. Great answer, Faith. Ariel? Gasoline stations. Uh, American gasoline stations, uh, specifically. Um, why was this significant? I guess because it was cheap and mass-produced, um, which defied the idea at the time that an artist book had to be like expensive and finely crafted. Excellent. Now... Bringing up 26 Gasoline Stations by Ed Ruscha is probably a bit contentious for some book artists. I feel like Ed Ruscha to book art is like Pablo Picasso to cubism, where you're going to get all the art historians saying, boring, and start naming all the other artists who created cubism and influenced Picasso, and yet Picasso gets all the credit and so on, which are all valid and true points. However, it is kind of hard to deny Picasso's reach and popularity. Same with Ed Ruscha, where, in a way, his importance to artist books is because of his importance to artist books. Our contestants' answers were pretty thorough, so I don't have much more to add, other than maybe to emphasize its importance as a democratic multiple, meaning that it was inexpensive, easily accessible, and breaks down some of the preciousness sometimes associated with artist books. Question number four. This is a technique of relief printing using a printing press, a process by which many copies are produced by repeated direct impression of an inked, raised surface against sheets or a continuous roll of paper. This is done by composing and locking movable type into the bed or chase of a press, inking it, and then pressing the paper against it to transfer the ink from the type, which creates an impression on the paper. What is this printing technique called? Yes, Ariel. Uh, letterpress printing? Exactly. Letterpress printing comes up a lot in the book art world because it was the primary printing process from the mid-15th century through the early 20th century. This is when offset printing was developed and became the main printing process for books and newspapers because it was cheaper and faster. But letterpress is still used today, and there are a lot of die-hard letterpress fanatics because it's beautiful. Question 5. This is a tricky one, so please take as much time as you need. What is an artist book? Ariel? In my terms, an artist book is a work of art that uses or references or exists in the form of the book, or it uses the qualities inherent to the book form, such as like sequence, pacing, intimacy, um, combining text and image or the option for multiple readings, etc. An artist book might be self-referential, as in the form refers to or informs the content, and vice versa, the content informs or refers to the form. Excellent. And what do you think, Faith? I think an artist book. It's one of those questions that even after studying it for 
several years now. I can't give you an exact definition, but I think the easiest, most cop-out answer to this is an artist book is something that an artist tells you is a book. So it can look like a book or it cannot look like a book. It can operate like a book or it can operate totally differently. The, the most convenient answer, that what made me kind of stop wrestling with it and stop trying to define it is I read a book by Gord Peterin. He's a furniture maker and he says he shows somebody something and says that that's a chair and sees how their knowledge of the fact that it's supposed to be a chair affects their interaction with said chair. Maybe it's a pile of ashes. Maybe it's a chair but it's been so covered with things that you can't actually sit in it. And I feel like a book is very similar where maybe it doesn't have pages or maybe it doesn't have a cover, maybe it doesn't even have words, but someone has told you this is a book and as the viewer, you have a responsibility or a certain set of filters with which to interpret and analyze it or maybe just even experience it. Thank you both so much for your thoughtful, detailed responses. Everyone gets a point for that one. Oh boy, the artist book. It's not even universally agreed upon where the apostrophe should be placed in artist book, let alone what an artist book is. To me, an artist book is conceptual art that in some way interrogates the book through form and or concept. An artist book can be an actual book, but it must in some way expand beyond that. It must need to be a book and use its physical form to support its content. A great example of this would be Julie Chen's book, Chrysalis which uses the metamorphosis of a chrysalis as an allegory for the stages of grief. The book comes in a box resembling a specimen case, and inside sits an actual chrysalis-shaped object. The viewer must open the case and remove this precious and delicate-looking object. The chrysalis is held together by magnetic hinges that the viewer must then peel back to access the small crescent-shaped book inside, thereby making the viewer an active participant in the unraveling and transformation of this object. The innermost book is small and feels delicate in one's hands. The text inside deals with how stages of grief can transform oneself into something unrecognizable and new. The reading experience of Chrysalis happens not only in the text, but in all the elements of the object working together, creating an intimate, immersive experience. And yet another example of an artist's book might not have any physical elements of a book at all, but instead deal with different aspects of the book conceptually. Heidi Nelson is an interdisciplinary artist whose work often explores ideas of communication, data collection, and the reading experience. Nelson's installation, OuterNet Library Branch Wave Farm, is a receiving station for OuterNet data transmissions in Accra, New York. The installation features a satellite dish antenna with a bench oriented toward each cardinal direction. The Wi-Fi network access area is defined by a large mode meadow. Outernet is not a book per se, but it offers similar experiences of a book, such as a transference of information and the collaborative organization of imagery and text. And then on the other other hand, there are books that contain artwork but are not artist books. Lived artistes are books in which text and images tend not to be very collaborative. Usually they're deluxe editions of classic texts with illustrative prints created by famous artists. Books like a French translation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven by Stephen Mallarmé, illustrated by Edward Manet, or James Joyce's Ulysses, illustrated by Matisse. They are usually finely bound with ornate covers and exquisite craftsmanship. They are luxurious books for the sake of being luxurious books. But the concept doesn't usually extend beyond the content found within the text itself. 
And now we will return to round two after this commercial break. <sighs> What's the matter? Well, you know how Tim and I are remodeling the house? Well, I've been all over town and I just can't find the last few items on our list. That's too bad. What are you looking for? I really need a few cactus throw pillows and a real striking centerpiece for our living room. Something that really expresses our love for printmaking and Beyonce. That's weirdly specific, but also funny that you should mention it because I just picked up some great book-themed onesies for a baby shower last week and treated myself to a line-of-cut print of the queen bee herself from Cloudship Creative at cloudship.etsy.com. Oh my god, seriously? What was that site again? That's cloudship.etsy.com, and if you enter the code BOOKS, you get 10% off. Amazing. Now for round two of book art trivia. What am I? I will provide a definition for a book art-related item or structure. Contestants, your correct answer will name the item being described. Item one. I am a book made by many sheets of paper, one on top of the other, adhered together on one side with a spine and typically covered with a thicker, more durable cover. Ariel, What is a perfect bound book? Yes, that counts. I was looking for something more general, though. Faith? I am a book made by many sheets of paper with the cover. I am a codex. Excellent. Both answers are correct. A codex is a typical everyday book with pages and a spine and a cover. Ariel mentioned a perfect bound book, which is a type of codex. Perfect binding is a commercial binding that consists of single sheets of paper glued on one edge and attached directly to the cover. Think of a mass market book. That is a perfect bound book, ironically named because they're just awful. Item number two. I am an inscription usually found at the end of a book that contains facts and information about my production. Yes, Faith. The inscription found at the end of the book is the colophon. These are the nerdiest things I've ever seen in my life because they'll tell you, I mean, not all the time. Sometimes they're very normal and they give the most basic information about the book, but sometimes they talk about the paper and where it was made and how it was made and who made it and the typeface and who designed it and the ink, and what kind of ink it is. And that, I think, is just, it's like its like the birth certificate of the book. It gives you all the information you need to know about where it came from and who made it come from there. Perfect. Item three. I am a slim, slightly tapered piece of bone, or sometimes I am now made out of Teflon. I fold and crease paper. Ariel? Bone folder! Wonderful. Item four. I am a book made of one long sheet of paper, folded in a zigzag formation. Ariel? Uh, what is a single sheet pamphlet or a snake book? Um, it has a lot of names. And Faith? Long sheet of paper folded in a zigzag formation is an accordion book. I'll accept both those answers. It does have a lot of names. I was aiming for concertina or accordion book, but now I'm realizing that snake book or flutter book would work too. Item five. I am a reddish-brown deterioration spot on paper. I share my name with a cute furry forest dweller. Yes, Ariel. Uh, <laughs> is the cute furry forest dweller reddish-brown too? Um, because I'm gonna guess a fox. Correct. 
and Faith. I am foxing. Why is it called that, though? Does anyone else know? Foxing is an age-related deterioration of paper. You ever see an old book or paper with reddish-brown splotches? That's called foxing. And thank you for your question, Faith. I did a little bit of research, and it seems that foxing is possibly named because of the reddish-brown color, or because the color is caused by the chemical ferric oxide. This concludes round two of Book Art Trivia. It's a close call. If I were actually keeping score, I, I think it's a tie. We'll start our final round soon, but first, here's another message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Coyote Bones Press. On the market for a miniature Ouija board for your spirit-conjuring emergencies? Got an empty space on your shelf where that atomic bomb snow globe should be? Coyote Bones Press has got it all! Visit coyotebonespress.etsy.com and enter the coupon code BOOKS for 10% off your next order. That's coyotebonespress.etsy.com, coupon code BOOKS for 10% off. Coyote Bones, the name and mysterious mysteries that you can trust. Welcome back, folks. Before we move on to round three, let's learn a little more about our contestants. First, we have Arielle Hansen-Strong. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Arielle. I am a book artist, printmaker, and designer based out of San Francisco. Um, I got my BFA in sculpture at the San Francisco Art Institute, which is where I first learned about book art and where I fell in love with it. I have an MFA now in book art and creative writing from Mills College. And I currently teach book art-related public education courses at SFAI. My work usually centers around socio-environmental issues, and you can check it out at my website, arielhansenstrong.com. That's A-R-I-E-L-H-A-N-S-E-N-S-T-R-O-N-G, like muscles. .com. I also create printed goods under the name Cloudship Creative. And you can find me on Facebook as Cloudship or on Instagram at cloudship underscore A-H-S. Fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now let's meet Faith Hale. Tell us about yourself, Faith. My name is Faith Hale. I work for a company called Creative Bug that does online art and craft tutorials. So I had originally gotten my MFA in book art and creative writing from Mills College. I really wanted to teach book art in a college setting. And now that I'm in this kind of platform, it's basically like a Netflix for crafters. I'm really excited to be able to expose book art to a broader audience. In the month of September, I'm doing a daily book art class. So each day we do a spread or a technique. And it's really interesting to see the kinds of people that are taking my class and and what is coming out of it. It's such a privilege, and I'm perpetually excited uh, to be working with this kind of community. Wonderful. Is everyone ready for round three? Who's that book worker? In this round, I'll provide the duties and job description of a book professional, and you will name their job title. Number one. Sam deals with the provision and maintenance of a collection of books, which is usually accessible to a defined community for reference or borrowing. Sam's duties may include archiving, building bibliographic databases, and developing community events. 
What is Sam's profession? Yes, Ariel. Uh, Sam is a librarian. Correct. Two points. Profession number two. Dean is a craftsman who works in a specialized trade that assembles and covers books. His duties may include creating decorative coverings, leatherworking, and gold tooling. What is Dean? Ariel. Dean is a bookbinder. Faith. I would call Dean a fine binder. That was actually my um, my first professional job in the book world was apprenticing for a fine binder and he was so perfect he's everything you imagine a bookbinder to be angry and loud and very opinionated and also super passionate and excited and delicate he made the most exquisite historical reproductions and also was a very skilled leather worker that is correct and thank you for the insider look at a bookbinding apprenticeship faith profession three Castiel preserves books and manuscripts from further damage. He does this by repairing when necessary with archival reversible materials and ensuring proper storage and care. Ariel. A conservator, preservationist. And Faith. An archivist. Eh, I'll give points for both those answers. The answer I was looking for was book conservator, which is a profession dedicated to the preservation of books and paper. They don't necessarily restore books and paper, but make reversible repairs and decisions regarding its storage and environment in order to prolong the life of the object. Profession number four. Bobby creates artwork that deals with the concepts and form of the book. Yes, Ariel? Bobby is a book artist. And Faith, what about your answer? Bobby is a book artist. Correct. That was a bit of an easy one. This one might be a little tougher. Profession number five. Ruby is a designer who specializes in the art of arranging type to make written language legible, readable, and appealing. She selects and arranges typefaces, point sizes, letting, and kerning. Yes, Faith. I think that Ruby is a graphic designer. Is there a special word for... Graphic designers who do just the letters? <gasps> oh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to win this one. Ariel, um, not a type designer. A typesetter. I'll accept both answers. I was going for type designer or typographer, which I guess is a specialty within graphic design. <laughs> what an exhilarating game! It looks like the score is. Uh, I don't know, 15 and 15? Which means we have a book art trivia tie because we're all winners here. I recently asked on Facebook for book art questions and asked some book friends for their frequently asked questions as well. And I mean book friends like friends who are also into books, not literal books that I consider to be friends. I'm also not sure if that's something I really need to clarify, but you never know. So I took these frequently asked questions and talked about them with some fellow book artists. And we came up with some answers together. So it's not like I'm speaking on behalf of all the book artists in the world. So here are the top five frequently asked questions that we have gathered. The number one question that I've been asked is, what is book art? Which I hope the book art trivia game helped explain a little bit. But basically to reiterate, book art is an umbrella term for many crafts and disciplines involved in book making. This includes, but is not limited to, book binding, letterpress printing, zines, ephemera making, paper marbling, etc, etc, etc. Question 2. How do book artists make money? Who buys this stuff? 
great question and something that I definitely need to learn more about myself. Book artists are just artists, just like painters and photographers and other creative professionals. So I think that their source of income is much the same as any other artist. You have the commercial artists that make money by doing custom products or designs. For book artists and printers, it would probably be stuff like wedding invitations or posters or labels or, or custom bindings, that sort of thing. Then you also have the fine art side, where a book artist might sell their own creative work to libraries, museums, or private collectors. Education is another component, where there's a lot of book artists who make a living teaching book art in the many book centers out there, like San Francisco Center for the Book, or the Center for the Book in New York, or the Paper and Book Intensive, or Minneapolis Center for the Book. There's many book art programs at a university level, such as Mills College, University of the Arts in Philadelphia, University of Iowa, University of Utah, Wells College, San Francisco Art Institute. This is by no means a comprehensive list, but I just want to show that there's a lot going on out there. Question three. How is book art different from graphic novels, zines, or art print portfolios? Oh my gosh, Selena, I don't know. This is a tough one. But I think the answer is that they don't have to be different. There can definitely be some overlap. But at the same time, just because a book has art in it doesn't mean that it is an artist book. I think to be an artist's book, the content really needs to be intrinsically tied to the book itself, either in concept or form. Book art is also one of those things where the more you learn about it, the more aware you are of just how much you don't know. Like when you're a little kid and you learn that Columbus discovered America and Pluto is the ninth planet and all the dinosaurs seem to live together during the same time period, and then a few years later you're told, Oh, by the way, literally none of that is true. Welcome to the uncertainty and existential dread of adulthood. Good luck trusting anyone ever again. So book arts is kind of like that, but we make stuff with our hands? Question four, do you hate e-readers? Nope. I think there's a misconception that book artists are holding on to dead technology for the sake of, I don't know, its preciousness or for tradition's sake. But I don't know any book artists out there that are anti-technology. I believe that book artists make books because there's something about the care and craftsmanship that adds a noticeable difference between a handmade book and a commercial paperback. It's not merely to add difficulty and time to the task. I mean, no one likes things to be more difficult if you're essentially going to get the same outcome. I also don't believe that new technologies necessarily need to devour each other. There's plenty of room for ebooks and physical books. Question five, what do you think is the future of the book? Also a tough one because I'm not a witch or a fortune teller, but I think that in the near future, you're gonna see a rise in small independent presses and finely made books because publishing has been changed due to things like self-publishing and eBooks. And it's really difficult to compete with online shopping or big companies that kind of have the market cornered for mass market books. So what we have to offer is something that they can't, which is human touch, craftsmanship, and personalized experiences, maybe more limited edition work, things like that. I also think that there will be or should be more crossover between artist books and digital books, hopefully. This question especially I would love to hear listeners' thoughts on. Before we conclude this Book Art Basics episode, I have an announcement about an exciting exhibition at the San Francisco Center for the Book. Degrees of Innovation will be opening on October 13th, 2017, and runs through January 17th, 2018, 
featuring work of 20 alumni from the Mills College Book Art and Creative Writing MFA program. The opening reception will be held on October 13th, 2017 at 6 p.m., and there will be an artist talk on December 8th, 2017. For more information, you can visit sfcb.org. I also want to thank Ariel Hansen-Strong and Faith Hale again for playing book art trivia. You can check out Ariel's artwork at arielhansenstrong.com or follow her on Instagram at cloudship underscore A-H-S and on Facebook as Cloudship. You can find Faith's zines and other creative projects on Instagram at faith with like 11 A's or go to creativebug.com and sign up for her online book art classes. Thank you again for listening. For more information, I have all the links and all the stuff at booksinthewild.com. And you can email me at booksinthewildpodcast at gmail.com. My favorite thing about colophons is when they talk about like, the provenance of the paper and the ink and the typeface, like this paper came from the forests of Kyoto and then were uh, made into paper somewhere else entirely. (gasps) That cat. Paper, you have to stop meowing. I'm, I'm recording something.